0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Marcus Hall and he is a Christian financial advisor helping families create and develop values-based planning, investment and giving strategies. He's also the author of his brand new book called Spiritual Wealth, A 40-Day Journey to Developing Stewardship Mindset. That's what we're speaking about today. Listen, living the Christian life is not a simple task. As followers of Jesus, we desire to please him and form our lifestyles by his instructions, but our natural tendency will always drag us the wrong way. As my father used to say, we have a hell-bent tendency. We're always backsliding if we're not pushing forward intentionally. Now, God commands us to live as good stewards of all the precious gifts he entrusted to us. We're not just talking about finances though. Stewardship also includes every talent, every skill and every minute of your time, BC nation that you receive during your lifetime. So Marcus is going to tell us how to put that into practice, how to invest our talents back into God's kingdom, the way we've been commanded to, and not bury them as you know, that parable in the Bible goes. So you can find Marcus Hall at stewardshipmindset.com, stewardshipmindset.com. Marcus Hall, welcome to Brokey Catholic number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take 60 seconds and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: You know, one of the things, first of all, great to see you this morning, Joseph. I appreciate you having me on. Um, One of the things that really got me there was you talking about what your dad told you years ago. And the fact that if we aren't moving in one direction, we're moving in the other, we're not standing still. And that's, I really believe that's the passion that God has put on my heart through this ministry. And what I'm talking about with folks is really helping to, to realize, Hey, we need to be moving in the right direction. And we need to be doing it purposefully. We need to be doing it with intent, because if we're not that backsliding, that moving away from God is where we're heading. And you're never going to find the joy, the satisfaction, the peace. If you're doing if you're doing those things,
0: 100% agree. Okay, take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know.
1: That few people in my business life? know. Well, I try to be very open with my clients and talking about things. Um, I, I mentioned to you, one of the things that, uh, that has been really cool in my life is the opportunities I got early on. Uh, as a really just coming out of high school as a senior, I started my uh, career in the broadcast uh, field. Uh, being able to actually start as a part-time videographer—I'd never picked up a camera in my life—and actually had just stopped off to see a friend who was a news anchor at the local station, uh, who I'd actually umpired his kid in Dixie Youth Ball uh, over the past couple of years, and had had an interest in in TV and those types of things and sports. And he said, "Hey, we're hiring some part-timers upstairs. Why don't you go check that out?" And so, never picked up a home video camera before, and here I am now. Uh, within three days, I am now shooting news stories <laughs> for the local for the local television station. And just over the next few years, I was that guy that, as they said, hey, we need someone to go do, all right, I'll do it. And um, that led me to the opportunity of being on the air before I actually ever took a first broadcast class uh, in college and just allowed me some opportunities that now I have seen, when you see the way God works in your life, to see how he's taken those skills and those opportunities that he gave me then and are now, not only did he, did he develop those, but now I'm coming back to, to using those even 20, 25 years down the road has been an incredible thing to see how he works in your life over time.
0: Mm. BC nation, powerful insight Mark has just brought to us. And it's a reminder to each and every one of us that none of the talents God has put in you are wasted. Mm. They're meant to be used and they're meant to be multiplied, right? Think of the miracles of multiplication in the Bible. First, before every miracle of multiplication in the Bible, there was a breaking, there was a splitting, right? This is the law of increase, the biblical law of increase in God's order of the universe. First, he breaks the bread, then he multiplies it, the fish, the loaves, right? This is what he did. He broke and multiplied. So if you want to be multiplied in your impact in the kingdom, well, I got bad news for you. First, you must give God permission to break you. And that breaking looks like breaking your fake or false identity. Mm -hmm. Your egoic self, not your true identity as son or daughter of God, but your egoic self, the worldly self. You must be broken. I was broken. I'm guessing, Marcus, you were broken at some point.
1: If I'm doing things right continuously, but yes, there there are several examples of that, without a doubt,
0: yes. All right. Let's go back in time for a minute here. And what denomination were you raised in? Was there faith in the home? Was was it a Christian home? Was it not? Yeah. Tell us that quick story uh, through high school
1: fantastic. I grew up in the Methodist Church, a uh, smaller town, uh, about 60,000. Uh, we grew up in a smaller church in that town, uh, as a matter of fact, and in the Methodist Church. So as the 12, 13-year-old, as we do in the Methodist Church, we you go through the confirmation classes and go through the, the baptism at the time, which you understand some things knowledge-wise. There's no way to really truly understand what you're actually doing at that point. And so like a lot of others, I didn't have a uh, I didn't go off the rails in college by any means. But was I where I needed to be spiritually during that time? No, without a doubt, I wasn't. There's no doubt. And and it's not that I was out committing felonies and doing awful things, and I really didn't drink or or do things like that as well. But was I where I needed to be spiritually? Not a chance. And so as I came back um, after college and getting into adult life and starting to figure some things out, isn't it amazing how you start drawing yourself back a lot of times to what you grew up knowing? And what I found was, as I, as, as I got to that point, I actually found myself moving over into the Baptist church and one of the, the larger churches that are, that are actually in this town. And one of the things i told folks along the way was, I love the fact of being in a larger church in that the different skills, the different talents, the different interests that you have, there's a lot more opportunities to find things that you can do and be involved in, ministries you can be involved in, instead of sometimes the smaller churches, as great as they are, you either do these one or two things we do this month or you don't do anything. And I really found... affinity, And I never thought I would enjoy being in a larger church, and I found myself there now loving that over the past several years of being able to do so many different things that just aren't offered, uh, and you just can't do with smaller congregations. And so that's been a really neat part of seeing how my skills and how my interests have been able to kind of go off on on those different tangents and find ways for me to minister and find ways to me to be who I need to be.
0: Mm, Powerful. And I get that. Sometimes you'll have an affinity for something new and different you didn't think you'd be attracted to at all. Yeah. Right. It's completely counterintuitive sometimes. Right. So there, there, God leads you from the Methodist church and that foundation that you were raised in. It yeah. leads you to the Baptist church. Listen, I married a Southern Baptist girl. I get it.
1: Something- I get yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> see that. And that's, you know, when it comes to, I don't know you talk about this a lot. Here's Yes, there are different customs, there are different things that we do, and I am, I'm a big proponent of one of the main things I see is the difference, and really, um, and when I joined the Baptist Church, in going through the submersion uh, for baptism, and really understanding this is the example Jesus gave us to follow, that is a big deal to me, and to want to do that, it doesn't mean I'm not saved if I don't, but I feel like I'm, I'm following my first act of obedience as a Christian by doing that, and so I love being, having the chance to be able to do that, and to follow uh, in Jesus' footsteps, and to now start growing on that side of things, but when it comes down to it, and we've even talked about it a little bit before we got on the air, is that we let these—I'm not going to say petty differences—but we let these small things or customs get in the way of us joining together to be who Christ really designed us to be, not just individually but together.
0: Amen to that. Right? Jesus Himself said, "Father, may they be one." Yes. Right? One church. One church. <laughs> not forty thousand different broken denominations.
1: <laughs> like yes. one church, people. <laughs> I teach a men's class, and just a couple of weeks ago, one of the examples I gave in talking about this particular topic was it with just 15 guys sitting in that class. They're about my age, everywhere from 30s to mid 40s, kids, and just having regular lives, careers, businesses, and then just going around the room and saying, "Okay, what if you brought your talent?" Uh, and this this was one of our members who actually uh, serves on the uh, uh, on the on the team that helps with the uh, oh gosh, I just disaster recovery team. That helps with the saws and helps with the cutting and helps with the trees and all that. This is stuff that if you put me in charge of this, somebody's going to get hurt that day. Probably me first, but somebody else definitely, and it won't be a ministering uh, opportunity. I know my limitations, okay? That's not my skill. But what if we well, take-
0: Hopefully you got a Catholic priest in the group somewhere to give you last rites.
1: There you go, without a doubt. So we've got <laughs> this guy that can do that. We've got another guy who has other talents. And I said, listen, individually, yes, you can accomplish and do some things, But what happens when we take your talent and your talent and your interest and we start working together to do something, even as a class of 10 or 15 guys, now all of a sudden you can see God at work saying, hey, I'm going to take what I've given you individually and start putting it together. And now I have the ability and the power to multiply what you guys can do. And I'm just saying, listen, that's a small example of what we are as a whole, as the church, of him saying each one of you plays a part. And it may be a smaller part than somebody else in your eyes. But if that's what God has enlisted you to do and what he's designed you to do, that is not a small part, my friend. Don't disparage what he's put you on earth to do and the the skills and the talents he's given you. If he has given you those things to give back to him, that is as important as that preacher leading a flock of 10,000.
0: I agree completely. And I think St. Paul uh, in the (laughs) Bible says it very well when he speaks about uh, the different parts of the body all working together right? For one purpose. And the hand shouldn't be jealous of the foot and the foot shouldn't be jealous of the eye. All are needed and all have different functions in the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head.
1: And so, right? so this, Joseph, when I'm not doing my part, but you are, and the others are, we're not working at full capacity. We're amen. not working at, at the maximum that, that, that God wants us to, not that he needs us to. We have a God that allows us to be involved in his ministry. If Sorry. we were to just think about that, that he doesn't need my money, he doesn't need my talent. He doesn't need my time, but he gives me those gifts to give back to him and allows me to be a part of helping draw others to him. How cool is that when you think about that, that the God of the universe, your creator, allows you to do that when he has no business, he has no, no reason to do that. And quite honestly, I don't, I don't deserve to be able to do that. that is a, that's a really cool thing that I don't think is stressed enough about our role in his kingdom.
0: I agree completely. So let's talk about what he commands us to do to Mm -hmm. live as good stewards. Now, I like what you put here, that it's not just good stewards of our finances, but it's good stewards of our talents, of our blessings, of our time. That's a very important one. Tell us more about that.
1: Well, I really believe when we talk about stewardship first, what an ugly word sometimes, as when it comes up, you automatically lose. I'm sorry, you just lost half your audience when you brought up stewardship. Uh, Because I don't think when it is taught, a lot of times, I don't think it's taught correctly a lot of times, and I think a lot of pastors sometimes are even fearful of really preaching that message in the way that it needs to be preached, or I use an example in the book a little bit of, uh, so you're, you know, a Sunday morning, you, you've experienced great worship time, whatever the kind of music you like, whatever kind of service, and it's just rocking that day, and you were man, you are connected. It has brought you in. You are connected, and then you see that the pastor is preaching on stewardship that day, and you immediately roll your eyes, and you're thinking, okay, what are we buying? What are you asking me to give? What are we paying off? Because a lot of times it's the only time you hear this message. And what God has really laid on my heart is, you know, I want people to realize and to understand that when we talk about being a good steward of what he's given us, what that means is really spiritual growth. We go back to the purposeful, being intent of how I'm spending my time, my money, my efforts, and that if I'm not thinking about this and planning this and saying, God, help me to realize how it is you want me to act and how you want me to behave, we're not going to do the things he wants us to do.
0: I agree completely, right? So I think many times we don't look at it that way. We don't look at stewardship as a blessing to us from God. It's a, it's as you said earlier, it's a, it's him allowing us to participate in the multiplication that he wants to do in the world, right? And and the Bible also speaks about the seed that is planted first must die. Right? It must first die before it can fertilize the soil. It can grow into that big oak tree as an example, but it must die to itself, which is that breaking part that we spoke of earlier. Yeah. So what is the what is the actual benefit or benefits that you teach in your book to why my audience n- not only must steward as a command by their God, by God himself, but the benefit to them if they do steward and obey the command, and what do they lose if they don't?
1: That's the awesome thing about this. And I'll give the example of when have you ever in the right mindset said, listen, I want to give to someone, whether it be dollars, whether it be, hey, I'm going to help someone with my time or my knowledge. Your knowledge, your skills are all part of this. When have you had a time where you said, I want to help this person with no expectation of them giving anything back to me. I want to do this out of the kindness of my heart because of what God's done for me. And when you got done with that event, That you didn't come back and say, man, that felt good, that felt right. And whatever it is I thought I was doing for them, I was just blessed tenfold from that. If you're doing it in the right way, that's going to happen every single time. And I think the world that we're living in, and this is listen, when this idea started and when God started stirring me up last year, this was pre-COVID. This was before the world got rocked last year with all of this. And I and what I saw was the message became even more important because of the despair because of the hopelessness, because of just the pit that people got into over the past year with everything we were going through. And that we look for our peace and our joy and our comfort. We look for it in so many different places besides the one place that we're designed to look for it in. And that's where I go back to connecting. Being a good steward is being a part of growing spiritually, maturing as a Christian over time in that you're you're finding that sweet spot with you and God and where he wants you to be. And when you are walking that path, when you were doing these things that I talk about and living your life like this, what you're doing is you're connecting with him and you're, you're, you're finding that, that place in your heart that is designed only for him that we try to fill with stuff and events and sports and whatever it is, we're finally finding what really belongs there. And when you do that, that's where you find the joy and the peace that we're all searching to try to find.
0: Now, Mark is a, something that I was confronted with personally was making the shift from helping people uh, who are in financial poverty um, and seeing that as the main way to steward or the only way to steward or the most impactful way to steward my resources, my blessings God has given me. When in fact, God revealed to me during COVID that there's other types of poverty. There's spiritual poverty.
1: Yes.
0: There's emotional poverty. There's mental poverty. Right, And and you spoke about those. COVID brought a lot of these up. A lot of people are are dealing with these other types of poverty, not just financial poverty. And I realized, and God brought to my attention, that my gifting, my talent is to bless those people when they're in spiritual poverty, Mm -hmm. when they're in emotional poverty. And that's the coaching that I do, which is the calling he's put on me to help men, Christian men, blow up the rocks in their life that are pinning them down, weighing them down in business and at home keeping them from living the life of possibility God has for them. They're in poverty. Most of them don't even know how to articulate it.
1: Without a doubt. You bring up, I think something I want to hit on there, is even the bad times in our life. let Let me take that back. Especially the bad times in our life, the things that we go through, the experiences that we have, God expects us to steward those experiences and what we went through. And I'll give you an example of mine. I have been through in the past, uh, I've been through a divorce and with a a child involved at the time who was younger, who was four or five, six years old at the time. And then going through that process of her being moved away several hours for the last 10 or 12 years of my life as well. You want to talk about anger and bitterness, no matter whose fault and what happened in the marriage, when all that comes to life, the, the, the bitterness, the anger, and trust me, I played my part in that, and I will happily, not happily, I will admit that, uh, that's, that's just part of it, but to go through that experience, God never puts you, God never allows you to go through something that he doesn't expect you to use at some point in your life to help minister to someone else, and so now, when, when you talk about especially ministering to men, and I see that as a father who has gone through divorce, he maybe has been separated from his child by distance as to how to, hey, first of all, just understanding you're not alone going through that. So now when someone maybe visits our church in our class, or I meet someone, you know, other guys can help, can try to help and go, man, I want to be here for you. I want to talk to you. But there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. If you haven't been there, man, as soon as I tell someone, listen, I've been where you are right now. Let me talk to about it. all of a sudden, there's a connection there that even though others might've wanted to minister, but you just can't sometimes in that situation. And it's the same thing if if folks have been through uh, alcohol problems or gambling problems or pornography problems or whatever the case may be. If you've been through that and you would, first of all, be able to admit your weakness like you've talked about, getting broken, admitting that weakness, but then actually being willing to share that with someone, the impact you can make on someone's life by saying, brother, I have been there. Let me tell you how I went through that. And then also let me share with you, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You may not see it now, but let's talk about how we get there down the road as well. So yes, when it comes to stewardship, we steward our skills, our experiences, our resources, all of that comes into this conversation.
0: This is a powerful conversation because BC Nation, maybe you haven't considered stewardship as your time, stewardship as the talents and abilities that God has given you, or even stewardship as your struggles, right? That's what we're talking about. Your struggle is not meant to be hoarded, it's not meant to be kept for yourself as part of your past story, all for you. It's meant to be shared. There was a reason God allowed you to be broken, right? This is
1: what Marcus is bringing up here. You the word right out of my mouth with that, without a doubt. And it's Say just, again? You took the word right out of my mouth with that one, uh, of why he allowed us to go through a situation. And it's not that you're being, and I, I want to get out of that. I want folks to understand. Yes, sometimes the bad times in our life are consequences of our decisions. Okay. Yes. Consequences to every decision, good or bad. But just because you're going through something doesn't mean that it may mean that God has a specific plan for you. That He is saying, "Listen, I know this is going to hurt right now, but I want you. To, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to see you through this." And the testimony you have at the other side of this, what are the testimonies that get us most stirred when we hear folks talking about coming to Christ? Are the ones who were the farthest away? Quite honestly, the, the lost sheep, right? Impacted. It's hard for me to make an impact on my testimony. of um, I grew up in the Methodist church, and then I went to the Baptist church. <laughs> That's not as stirring as an impact as someone when when you went to school with folks and now you've totally changed your life and surrendered to Christ 15 years later and you come back to the same group of guys from before and they go, who are you and what happened to that guy we knew before? That's a testimony. That's a place for your stewardship there of your story of what God's brought you through. And I think sometimes when we're going through those things, we have to be careful when we pray. We have to be careful in... Not exactly asking God to pray us out of situations. I think we try to pray ourselves out of situations sometimes that he wants us to go through. And we try to go around the storm instead of him saying, I'm taking you through it. And first, I'm going to reveal to you that you're not as strong and you're not as as big as you think you are. You're going to get broken. But two, I'm going to prove to you my faithfulness and my strength and my power to actually bring you through this. So that when you get to the other side, your faith is going to be, again, multiplied. Your faith is going to be multiplied from what it was before. And you will never doubt me and who I am. And now you go share that with others and you be a strong testimony in your life. Mm. This
0: is so powerful. And you know what, the way you just said that is, that's been my personal experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and I used to always pray God, like, let me have major impact, you know, in, in the kingdom and, but I didn't want to be broken to, to get there. Right? <laughs> and I was just like, just put me in coach, but I don't want to show up to practice and do the work. Oh,
1: folks, man, folks, My flesh is strong. It's real and it's strong. Yeah, it's, for it's, sure. It's a fight against that. Yes. So BC
0: nation, like just know, I think this is one of the main points we're making today in this conversation is that it's not just about your money when it comes to stewardship. It's about the struggles. It's about, it's about your time, giving your time to others and know that, when you give to the other people you're giving to Christ himself. He says whatever you do for the least of them you do for me directly, right? That's what he's saying. So when you coach that person in need or spend time and just be a listening ear to them when they're hurting, when they're grieving, that person in your life and you have someone you're thinking of right now who's in that place or Marcus before we went on air, you know, you mentioned like you drove past someone, uh, you know, with his 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 car was broken down or whatever and you, you rush into a meeting and and you skipped it and you're like darn it i i, I know i should have right or you were sharing a story of someone else no, that no, did this did yes it. yes and then you know god brings you the up op- that man that opportunity again a week later same guys out there with the car and he's like that's it i'm stopping for who for jesus yeah jesus is standing there with a broken car saying will you help me he doesn't need the help, technically, but it's a test for us. Yeah. It's a test for our faithfulness. It's an opportunity for us to be multiplied. Marcus,
1: what are you, what? Make, are you making yourself available every day? Yes. For God, to work in your life. And in a situation like that, are you? It, it's having your antenna up. It's amazing when you think, well, God has given me opportunity to do these things. That's because you're not listening, and you're not looking, and you don't want to see. You don't want to hear from God. But when you finally surrender and you're broken, you say, all right, God, use it. All of a sudden you go, well, where where were all these opportunities before? They were there, but you were shielding them. You had that uh, Israeli defense shield on that you were just knocking them out of the park and you were not going to have any of it because you were thinking more about yourself and what you needed to do and what your dating needed to bring and how to satisfy yourself. And trust me, just because I'm talking about this, and and I know you're the same way here, I ain't perfect. This is not something that I'm 100% fantastic at. Have I grown spiritually the last few years? Without a doubt. I'm proud to be able to say that I, I know that I've done that. Am I anywhere near where I need to be? Not a chance. And I am, I am trying to work every day to get closer to him and, and to be more of the Christian and to be more of that, that man that he wants me to be.
0: Yes. So Marcus, what have we not shared about stewardship that you really want to bring to light for my listener right now?
1: I want to make sure that even though we're saying that money is not everything with stewardship, money is a big part of stewardship. I don't want to rationalize that, that part of way. Because there's a reason, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the numbers and stuff, as far as how many verses in the Bible deal with money, finance, stewardship, in, in, in some way, shape, or form. You're talking over 22, 2,300 verses in the Bible. That's staggering when you look at it. And it's not, in, in my mind, it's not because it's such an important topic to God. But he knew thousands of years later that that would be the one that we have one of the toughest times in dealing with. Because when you talk about pride, ego, selfishness, comparison, all those things that get in our way uh, of being a a true fruit of the Spirit, boy, it's that money and that greed so often that gets between us and what God wants us to do and just want, want us to untighten that grip. And we use the example a lot of, do I have that hand out to give and to help others, or do I have it clenched so tightly where I'm not willing to do the things that God wants me to do in my life? And so there are certain things that are commandments and our directives from god and then there's other things where he gives us a wide open space kind of like you said of of different things that we can do that really fall under that umbrella but it's just living a life of purposefully giving with the right attitude.
0: okay so marcus uh you are a certified kingdom advisor yeah right which means you help people integrate their christian values into their financial decision making what are three small steps yet crucial steps that BC Nation can take this week, this month, uh, in their financial giving, um, to really step into that command of God.
1: Well, I'll give you actually three questions, and, and I come through with Kingdom Advisors, and that's an organization I'm, I'm involved in. And if you if you have a background at all in stewardship or you know materials, or whatever from the, from the past several years, Ron Blue and Larry Burkett. Uh, Larry has now passed on, Ron is still living, but they formed this organization for financial advisors who wanted to be able to really talk about in the right way with folks, with our clients and our practices as to how to live out these values. And so you'll hear a lot of Ron Blue through me of his teaching uh, over time. And one of the things that, that that he puts out there is basically three questions that every Christian should ask. One of them is, whose is it? First and foremost, you have to be able to say everything that I own, everything that I have, comes from God and is God's and is given to me to, to be a manager of while I'm on this earth. Whose is it? Secondly is how much is enough? Looking at your life, we are the richest nation on earth. Even If you are listening to this podcast, I don't care how poor you think you are. If you are listening to this podcast, it means you either have a computer or a phone, which I'm going to assume puts you uh, in, in a bracket of you'll be in the top 10% worldwide of income, period. How much is enough? When you look at the money coming into your life, are you really purposefully seeking out, all right, how much do I really need to live on? How much? Yes, we need to save. We need to pay off debt. We need to make wise decisions. But how much is really enough for me? And where is that point where you can start saying, you know what? I should start giving to others. Whose is it? How much is enough? And is the next steward chosen and prepared? Now, that that one caught me dead in my tracks a few years ago. I have three daughters. They're now 18, six, and five. One of my responsibilities as a steward of God, is to say, listen, if I were to die today, if my wife and I were to die in an accident today, there's a lot of money through money we've invested, money that we have saved through life insurance policies. There's a lot that's going to be pushed on to those three girls at a really young age. And we've got it set up, they can't get all of it right now. But still, at a pretty young age, they would inherit a lot of money. Have we instilled in them the values that we have of the importance of how do we spend that money? How do we give that money? How, How do we handle those resources that God has given us? It's our responsibility, as we were talking about earlier, not just to teach other guys, but to teach our families that we've been entrusted with. How do we teach them? How do we teach our kids those same values in a way they can understand even at an early age of how to deal with money and resources like that?
0: So just to clarify your three questions. First, whose is it? Yes. Second, how much is enough? Yep. Third, is the next steward chosen and prepared?
1: Yeah. Because guess what? Everything you have at some point is not going to be yours. I don't care who you leave it to. Uh, when, when, when you climb into that box or someone put you into that box, uh, you're not taking it with you. Uh, it's going to somebody else, whether you did it during life or after life. And so our responsibility is God gave me this money to steward. to gave me these resources to steward. Have I not just chosen, but have I really worked on, hey, how, how, how am I teaching my kids and my family who are going to inherit that money to deal with that as well? And I'll give you an example of something that we did as far as just good examples with kids to how, how do they understand. Some 18 year old, Emma has just graduated from high school this year. So a couple of years ago at Christmas, we decided let's kind of start instilling this and making sure that we're you know, that we're, we're talking about these things. And so one of her Christmas gifts that year was basically a, a letter with some money uh, involved it in, uh, included in that package. I said, listen, here is however amount of dollars you want to do. Now Emma, this is something that's important to us as far as giving to others. This is money for you to spend, but not on yourself. It's for you to pick an organization, a kingdom-driven organization that's doing something uh, along God's word. And I want you to pick it out. And I want you to tell us why you picked that organization. And so what you're doing, even though it's not their money, what you're doing is you're starting a, 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 the mindset of, all right, this is something that's important to them. They're getting me to do. I need to be thinking this way. If we can reach the kids, if we can reach high schoolers before they actually have money and they're already stealing the values and what they need to be doing, You talk about making a change in this world of having unselfish, cheerfully giving young people. Oh, my gosh, this world would be totally different from that aspect if we could do that. So it's just it's learning how to do those things and how to teach your children those things over time
0: powerful we're speaking with marcus hall you can find him at stewardshipmindset.com marcus welcome to my favorite part of the show welcome to the confession round oh, i'm I, going I, to
1: i don't think i signed up for this show.
0: i'm going to ask you 10 <laughs> quick fire questions you'll have about three seconds to answer each don't overthink it it's just for fun are you ready
1: uh, no but go ahead.
0: what's your favorite thing about god
1: his his giving us that's not even a word but i'm going to go with it just the way that he gives to us man and just wants us to love
0: Yeah, the generosity of God, right? What is your least favorite thing about God?
1: Oh, the restrictions he puts on the things I want to do myself. let <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's anti little control freak.
1: It's yeah. terrible. What do <laughs> you I would come myself a little control freak, but go ahead. Yeah.
0: What are you most afraid of? Failure. Got it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally?
1: It is. And I think some of this has to do with I even mentioned the yesterday to someone. I have to watch out for the pride and the ego a lot. The and I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of my skills and talents and things that I've done have been in the public eye or in front of folks. And I talk about this example a lot with my class of I have to be careful and I have to watch that of not doing things to glorify myself, but to make sure that the things we're doing are glorifying God.
0: Amen to that. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Uh, oh, this past year. Um, probably, I'm a huge baseball card collector. Uh, a lot of eBay. <laughs> a lot of what? A lot of eBay.
0: eBay, yes. trading cards, got it. What secret fear do you have about people?
1: What secret fear do I have about people? That they, is it, is a fair we all have as men, that somebody might actually find out who I really am.
0: Who you really are. Yeah. That's a big one, right? It's that imposter syndrome.
1: Yes. Without a doubt.
0: It's like, will they love me or accept me if they I mean, really knew?
1: No, I mean, that's just Satan playing on you Without a doubt.
0: Uh, I agree. It's an attack on our identity. Yes. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God?
1: That he, not that he's always right, but that he's always looking out for me. And even those times where you would swear, that's not the direction I need to go. <laughs> if I would just listen to surrender to him, uh, that, that he would take me where I needed to be.
0: Yeah. What's a new habit you want to create in your life?
1: Uh, to me, I mean, I, I'm, I am always looking to improve the time that I spend with him. And, and part of that is in, in scripture. And even though one of the reasons I teach a class is to make sure that I'm staying in scripture, I have to, to be prepared. I mean, that's a, I tell folks, it's kind of a selfish thing there to make sure I'm doing that. But to make sure that I'm doing that so that not out of habit, but out of making sure on a consistent basis, I'm just wanting to get to know my father better.
0: Yeah. What's a bad habit you want to break?
1: Do we have time for that? I thought you said this is only a 30-minute broadcast or something. Um, quick anger. I am very quick to get angry.
0: Zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds, right? No
1: doubt. And on the road is one of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I get that. Pick three words to describe who you are now.
1: Uh, A growing Christian.
0: A growing Christian. I like it. Pick three words to describe who you were before you fully surrendered and were broken by God.
1: Hmm. Selfish. Um, Nearsighted.
0: That was two. <laughs> you're very, very accurate. earsighted, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it. yeah, I got it, got it. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye, and give them only one piece of advice about everything, hmm. what would you say to them?
1: Um, if you haven't made the decision to trust your Savior the way that he asked you to, you need to make that happen right now, because for me, to, I can't even explain what's happening where I am right now. It is just too glorious. It is too fantastic. You got to be a part of this.
0: Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about, well, obeying God's command for stewardship?
1: I think that sometimes when we hear this, we think that stewardship is only for the ultra wealthy and that I don't qualify to be a good steward. And that's a lie from Satan. That is a lie that is keeping you away from your father who has said, listen, for whatever reason, God has allowed you and me and everybody else to have a different amount of money in our bank account and a different types of skills and different things. But here's the great thing. God asked us to all give out of what he's given us. He is never going to ask you to give something you don't have. If you don't make a million dollars, God is not going to ask you to write a check for a million dollars. It's just, it's not possible. But he is asking you to do your part and he is asking you to do other things. And if you don't know what those are, you need to get in contact with him, with his word, with his followers, with brothers and sisters in Christ to have that discussion because he uses everybody to help you see what it is you need to
0: be doing in your life brings to mind the the story that jesus tells in the in scripture of the poor widow oh,
1: that, that was one on my mind
0: yes that gives her last shekel whatever that yeah. currency was the all that she has she puts you know right there at the temple and invest in god's generosity she yeah. invests knowing that he is faithful and more generous than her even though she gave everything. So that brings uh, to mind what you just said, Marcus. BC Nation, it doesn't matter if you have $5 in your bank account right now. Give a dollar to God and watch how he multiplies it. But you must believe. You must believe that he will. You must believe that he's faithful. You must believe that he's a good father. See, that's essential. Marcus Hall, uh, where does start? Uh, where does BC Nation get in touch with you, how they pick up your book? All right, Spiritual Wealth. Who doesn't want spiritual wealth? Who doesn't want financial wealth?
1: This is, it, it, what the book does is it takes you from just the things we're talking about here because you're not going to change habits. You're not going to do things you've never done before if you don't first understand what the Bible says about these things. So it goes in, it's more detailed there to, to know it, to believe it, to align our minds. If, if what you're reading in the Bible If you're in disagreement with that, you're the one that's wrong. Let me spoiler alert you're the one that's wrong. Align your mind with what God is telling you or what Jesus is telling you through his word. And then only then and only then can you say, I understand it. I believe it. I agree with it. I'm now going to change my life to live more for him. You will not regret that. You will find spiritual wealth if you do that. And so it's called Spiritual Wealth, a 40 day journey to developing stewardship mindset. What I want to help you do is to learn. How to do, how to become a steward in everyday life. It's not just about stroking a big check. It's about having an awareness and your antenna up of how am I able to give time, money, resources, wisdom, experiences? How am I able to do all this in the way that God wants me to and share that with somebody else in the way that He wants me to? So, stewardshipmindset.com is the website, stewardshipmindset.com. If you're on the fence, you've got a place you can sign up there, get the first, I think, four or five days free of the book to kind of see what that's about and then go back and order it of course, available on Amazon as well, uh, and, and where, where you, Bob, looks.
0: Marcus Hall, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. Yes, I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock? In the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter? You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids? Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with,